I don't think I ever realized how dumb and easily gaslit Simba was until this new remake. Watch this. You'll get it, Simba. Just takes time. I'll check on you later. Dad will be so proud, won't he? It's a gift he'll never forget. Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of Stay Watching Mondays at the Movies. As always, I'm your host, Larry. This week, I have um, had some fun at the movies and I watched a weird Netflix film that was oddly enjoyable because of how ridiculous it was. Um, so I think we have uh, some good stuff to talk about. Uh, and I actually think I can keep it pretty short, all considered. So uh, I hope you're ready for some spoiler free. Well, for the most part, I, 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 I don't think it's spoiling anything to talk about The Lion King a little bit more in depth, considering it was a 1994 film. And I imagine most of you who are listening to this have probably seen that original film because spoiler alert, the new Lion King is not that different from the original Lion King in terms of like the overall plot. There are a few story elements that might've been tweaked a little bit, but I'm not really gonna get into any of that stuff anyway. So, but yes, so this week at the movies, I checked out The Art of Self-Defense, The Lion King 2019, whatever we call The Lion King, you know, ultra-realistic CGI remake. Uh, as well as on Netflix, checking out Secret Obsession, which, whew, can't wait to talk about that one. Uh, so buckle up, uh, I'll be right back. So the first movie I'm going to talk about is The Art of Self-Defense, uh, directed by Riley Stearns and starring Jesse Eisenberg, Imogen Poots, and Alessandro Nivola. So I'm sure not a lot of people have really heard about this movie. It feels like it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it's obviously it's been on kind of the, the film festival circuit and everything like that. So. Um, it's definitely a, 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 a kind of way under the radar, um, indie film. I mean, to be honest, like I hadn't really heard about it until I saw a trailer for it on YouTube. Um, and then when I went to an art house theater, they had another trailer for it. So, um, I didn't have a whole lot of information going in, but it looked like an interesting dark comedy. And it was exactly that. Um, some of the things that I that I think are really interesting about the film. So, like, just a just the kind of plot overall um, is basically there's this thirty-something uh, dude who lives alone, doesn't really have a whole lot of acquaintances. Pretty much, the only things in his life are work and his dog. 
Um, and one day he goes to get dog food for his pet. He is attacked in the street and uh, is left feeling emasculated. And so in order to fight that feeling and to protect himself and what he has, he decides to take karate and um, zaniness ensues. Um, so, I mean, that, that's one of the things that, that I, I, I really kind of like about this film. So what it's really looking at or commenting on is kind of a lot of the ideas of masculinity and what we're taught and how men are kind of instructed to behave or act or the expectations around what uh, what what it means to be a man. And I think the film does a really good job of kind of um, putting some of that under a microscope and, um, you know, having some fun with the way that it, it chooses to, to dissect those issues. Um, you know, I, I think they have some really great humor based around, you know, what is masculine what is not masculine from your name to the music that you like to the type of dog that you own um and i thought that was a really great way to approach that um the other thing about this film is i i think it's it's very funny and a very it, it's very deadpan in that a lot of the characters when they are delivering lines and whatnot it's delivered very seriously. I mean, sometimes, I mean, if you've seen Jesse Eisenberg in films, you kind of have a sense of how he talks, how he operates, his speed, his delivery. And so for the type of character that he's playing, this weak, uh, you know, in quotes, weak person uh, who is attempting to become stronger, um, I think his delivery works really well for that and leads to some great humor without necessarily being um you know just jokes directly um imogen poots does a really good job of kind of bringing um that female perspective to this film um she plays a character who you know is is in a I guess the easiest way to put this is she's in a man's world, even though she is more competent and more skilled than the men around her. Um, and so there's, there's this kind of undercurrent or, you know, subplot around her character and, and what she's going through and how that's parallel with Jesse Eisenberg's character and, and kind of how they play off of each other is really interesting. Um, and it actually leads to some some really great moments in the film in the film that I, that I thought were really well done. Uh, the other character that I mentioned, Alessandro Nivola, he plays Sensei, who leads the karate dojo that, that Jesse Eisenberg's character uh, joins. And you know, again, like he is a character that delivers things very very seriously. Um, but again, just the way what he is saying, how he is acting. Um, it is all very funny without, you know, again, without just being, you know, joke heavy. So if you like dark comedies that kind of examine our social status, things like that, I think you're going to enjoy this movie. Um, I think it has something interesting to say 
the performances are good. The comedy is funny. Um, I walked in the theater not really knowing too much about what to expect. Uh, walked out having thoroughly enjoyed that film. And I hope people find it and choose to watch it. I, again, I, I know with all films that I review and all films that I enjoy, I know it's not gonna be for everybody. There are probably gonna be some people who watch it and just say, oh, that was dumb. Uh, but I think there are some people that might really take something away from this film. Um, if that's only enjoyment, I think it's done its job. Um, but I do think there's some, there's a really great examination of kind of the American male psyche within this film. Um, and so I definitely think it's worth checking out. So the second film that I saw this week is The Lion King 2019, The Lion King remake, The Lion King ultra realistic animals go. Um, basically, this is The Lion King, the 1994 Disney classic, but redone uh, for the 2019 audience. Um, and what we get here is a John Favreau directed, um, not quite beat for beat, but pretty close to beat for beat remake of the original Lion King. And that's both good and bad. Um, you know, the, the what I'll say up front is I think it is a good film. Um, but the problem is that the original Lion King exists, you know, it's it's hard when you're making these kind of remake films to make them matter because it's not like the originals no longer exist and you either have to do so much different from that original film or you have to like you know one-to-one -one recreate it as best as you can and either way you approach it, it it's not necessarily guaranteed to capture audiences or their interests um one of the things that I kind of struggled with watching this film and, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've read a lot of reviews or seen a lot of reviews or heard a lot of people talking about this already. But, you know, just there is a certain flourish, there's a certain magic that the older traditional animation style has for it. You know, yes, lions wouldn't be this color. They wouldn't have manes this color. They wouldn't have eyes this color. They're faces wouldn't necessarily move in this way their brows wouldn't furrow this way you know a, a lion couldn't skate down the neck of a giraffe and all of that sort of thing and it's like yes like clearly that might be ridiculous with almost real looking animals but at the same time that's the kind of fun energy that was existent in that that original version of this and i think that's something that we're seeing time and time again within all of these remade kind of disney classics going from traditionally animated to um traditionally animated to uh these new kind of cg or live action um hybrid films uh because you know the same problem exists in aladdin i mean you know we we talk about it a lot with like the prince ali number where um just because of the way animation is done there are so many things that you can do with that sequence that you just can't do if something is live action or approximating live action like the lion king is so you know certain musical numbers get dropped or not necessarily drops because I think um, 
almost every musical number is still in there, but some of them are changed. Um, and part of that is because, well, one, there is a slight change to the story that would cause one of the songs to be different. Um, but it also doesn't quite work to be able to uh, choreograph, in a sense, uh, some of those in the same way, given that we are supposed to be watching these real animals do these things. So despite them talking and everything like that, um, it, it, it would just be, I guess it would be a bridge too far to have them being, you know, having them do too many ridiculous over the top, you know, musical number things, um, you know, it would kind of sink us directly into the uncanny valley, um, which just to talk about briefly, I think that the CG ultra realistic CG animation for this film is incredible and amazing. Um, I know that sounds like I'm saying the same thing twice, but you know, take it how you will um because I, i've seen some people kind of complain about it and like oh these ultra realistic animals and their mouths move and you know i stare into their dead eyes and everything like that and it's like i get where that's coming from but that didn't bother me about this film i actually i think that was one of the things that least bothered me um i think that the film is beautiful in its own way despite not having quite the same color palette as the original you know obviously it's going to be a lot more vibrant when you have this traditionally animated thing because if you go too hard on some of the colors um it's going to feel just a just a tad too unrealistic um you know and I, I know a lot of people were saying that, you know, before the film came out, because there were a lot of reviews that came out and that were just saying, well, it's drab, it's gray. I didn't quite have that feeling. I mean, I watch a lot of nature documentaries and I felt like it felt true to life, uh, despite being, you know, kind of absurd, like nothing, nothing that these animals do in this film would work like this in real life. I mean, just throw that out the window, but I think, I think they actually did a good job of making it look good. Um, most of the vocal performances were good. Um, I liked the young versions of, of Nala and Simba. I thought they did a good job. James Earl Jones obviously still did a good job. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, who plays Scar, I actually think did a good job. I know this, this is one of those things where it's like, I know there are going to be people that prefer the older version of Scar for so many different reasons. And I think they're just different characters in a sense, like they're the same character, but because of slight plot adjustments, this, this Scar is much more angry and it feels much more like he is exacting a type of revenge while the scar that we got in the original film uh felt a little bit more conniving and dastardly and i i think that's a 
it's an interesting and important change. And, and one of the things that comes along with that change, and I was talking to my sister about this on the phone when we were discussing the film, one of the things for me that felt a little bit off in this version is I feel like in the original animated version, we got a little bit more of a sense of how much uh, Simba did love his uncle as well, just in terms of the way that he was kind of like hanging off of him and playing um, around him in some of the early scenes in the film. And I, I don't know if they quite have that same interaction in this one. Um, you know, it's almost like he's, it almost feels like there's a bit more of a disconnect between the two characters or that like, Simba just looks at Scar as an additional figure for wisdom in this new one. That's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but just something that I, I kind of notice. Um, but back to the vocal performances, John Oliver did a great job as uh, Zazu. Um, John Connie was a very interesting Rafiki, like much more much more African. I, I think that's like the thing that I would say overall, like in terms of the actual music of the film and the feel of some of it, um, it was very clear that they wanted to try to get more into kind of the African roots of this, um, but I don't know if they've necessarily delivered on all fronts there. Um, for me, in this version, the, the hyenas were kind of forgettable. Um, the highlight, as always, uh, in The Lion King were Timon and Pumbaa, but this time much more Timon. Billy Eichner did a fantastic job of bringing this sarcastic wit to Timon, which I know existed in the original, but it felt much more biting in this one. And he had this kind of sense of nihilism that uh, he communicated very well uh, and I thought was very interesting for his character. Um, but as good a job as Billy Eigner was doing, I felt that Seth Rogen got kind of lost a bit. Um, and I mean, that's that's the challenge because it's easy for a character like Pumbaa to get lost in uh, Timon's schemes and, and shadow. Um, but I just kind of wanted a little bit more from him. Uh, it felt like, you know, it wasn't, I, I don't want to say it, it felt like he wasn't quite giving it his all. Um, but it, it in some ways felt like he might've been a little bit outside of his comfort zone with this character. Um, so I wasn't quite sure what to make of his performance overall. Um, you know, again, like, I just don't think he had quite the same zip as, as Billy Eichner's Timon. Uh, so obviously the elephant in the room, we got to talk about Donald Glover and Beyonce. Um, who like, let's be real. They are in such a small portion of this film. Um, like I kind of forgot how weighted the younger versions are in, in the Lion King. Um, we spend a lot more time with young, young Simba and Nala. And so we really only get them in maybe the last, you know, I'm going to say last third of the film. Um, you know, I wasn't watching my, I, I wasn't looking at my watch this entire time because, you know, again, although it's a remake, I was pretty invested in watching this. I was, you know, I was enjoying it for the most part. Um, 
I I love Donald Glover. Like, let me say that. If you've listened to the old version of the podcast, you know, like, I think he's a really talented guy. I think he's a really smart guy. He's, he's worked on some really interesting and fun projects and has shown a lot of growth along the way. Um, I don't know if he necessarily brought anything that I needed to the role of Simba. Um, he definitely got overshadowed in the singing department by Beyonce, um, who again, Beyonce, hive, bayhive, beehive, don't come for me. Um, I thought at least in terms of the actual voice acting, it sounded like she was trying too hard. Um, you know, it, like it didn't come across as natural or, you know, enjoyable when she was delivering lines. It felt like someone was delivering lines. And, I, and you know, that's one of those things is when you are inhabiting a character, you need to make me believe that you are that character. And all she made me believe was that she was Beyonce, delivering lines for an ultra realistic CGI lion. Um, so again, don't come for me. I wanted a little bit more from the two of them again, because I think they're both extremely talented people. Um, you know, obviously Beyonce is much more known for her singing and some of the other things that she does, her, her show personship, everything like that. So this just probably wasn't it and you know in the in their duet in in our version of can you feel the love tonight which which i enjoy um despite it being sung during daytime which is a whole another issue which i'm not gonna really get into i'm just put it out there when you see it you'll know exactly what i'm talking about um i felt that it was super uneven because i mean let's be real Beyonce is a stronger singer than Donald Glover is. And so as talented as he is, it felt like Beyonce was kind of singing circles around him. Um, and so it's like almost like I wanted a stronger vocalist to be um, kind of competing with Beyonce. I, I know that's the wrong way to put it, like maybe more complimenting. Um, you know, they didn't quite mesh as well as I thought they would. Um, like, it, it, I think that was the point where it was the most clear, like who was a stronger performer than, than the other. Um, you know, and, and again, like it, it's not bad. It's still a great rendition of the song, but it was just something that threw me off a little bit. Um, other than that. I, you know, again, it's it's good. It's it's basically the same movie. If the other one, if the original hadn't existed, I would probably be ranting and raving about how much I love this movie. But, you know, again, it just lacks some of that, you know, old school, traditionally animated you know, or semi traditionally animated because there's a lot of CG that was used in, you know, the in in the 94 lion king as it was kind of getting started um you know so yeah it's 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 tough for me because i i want to sing the praises of this film i think it's well done it was enjoyable i think i like it more than most of the other um live action disney remakes so far 
but at the same time i'm challenged by its necessity and the fact that it just can't recapture that that magic of that animation so um we'll see what happens with um mulan uh which is probably the disney animated or disney animated film that i'm most looking forward to its um remake as a live action film mostly because you know from my understanding they're taking out most of the songs they are changing it up they're removing characters or removing mushu the dragon thank god um so i'm really excited to see what they do with that and i hope that they can start to really just use the animated version of these films as um reference material and allow these remakes to be their own thing that that kind of reference um that or that original like i mean i i personally think even though a lot of people were lukewarm on it i think the jungle book did a good job of being its own thing but still referencing the songs and music of the original without feeling like they were just remaking the original like yeah so a bunch of stuff happens that is the same or similar but it has such a different feel that I never thought I was just watching the same movie done over again. I thought I was watching a movie that was done similarly with reference to the original, um, but it had its own story, it had its own approach, and it was interesting in that way. So I really hope that Disney can kind of find that, that sweet spot with how much new they introduce and how much old they reference without you know needing to feel like they just need to recreate entire sequences from these films um yeah so the last film or yeah i don't even know if i can call this a film it's like a tv movie um i watched it on netflix um usually i am off the camp to say oh no movies made for netflix or there's still films they can be taken serious Nah, this was a lifetime movie made for netflix um it was called secret obsession starring brenda song mike vogel and dennis haysbert um basically it is about a woman who is in an accident we're going to call it an accident um, <laughs> as, as you watch the very beginning of this film, you will understand what I mean by that, um, who wakes up from a coma to be greeted by her husband and taken home. Uh, but a detective played by Dennis Haysbert uh, has some questions about the whole thing and mystery ensues. And when I say that this is a lifetime movie made for Netflix, like it's ridiculous. It is an absurd film. Like it's, it's not good. Most of the performances aren't good. It's not subtle. Um, whatever twists it thinks it's providing you are telegraphed a mile away. And no, I did not see the trailer, which apparently spoils a lot of what is going on in this film. I would suggest if you are listening to this and you have not seen the film yet, do not watch the trailer. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brenda Song, you may remember her from the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Um, 
she does fine as a character who mostly can't remember anything and mostly can't move for most of the film. Um, Mike Vogel does a good job at what he's doing in this film, I guess. Um, and Dennis Haysbert, who you might remember as the president on 24 or the deep voiced black guy from the Allstate commercials, he's he's good as a detective but again like i mean there's not really a whole lot of meat for these characters to work with or these actors to work with um it is a pretty dumbed down script uh pretty dumbed down presence so yeah um what i would say is if you're gonna watch this one watch it with some friends uh make a drinking game out of it you know do something where you can just kind of enjoy the absurdity of this film because it's not good uh but in a way it's kind of you know the thing that i like about bad movies is that they give you something to talk about or something to joke about and if enough people see them uh they can kind of take on a life of their own and so like watching this film that's all i could think of i was just like i really hope that people think this is absurd as i do and really want to talk about it um because i feel like this could be this could be a really fun one to dissect and explore for why it's so ridiculous so i'm just gonna leave you with that um if you check it out definitely let me know So that wraps up another Mondays at the movies. I hope you enjoyed listening to my reviews of those films. As always, I would love to hear your opinions on those. You know, did you did you check out The Art of Self-Defense? What did you think? You know, do you hate The Lion King? Do you think they should never have made it? Did you like it a lot? Did you love it even? Um, you know, one of the things that I forgot to mention there is, you know, despite all of the criticism that the film was getting from critics going in, um, almost as expected, the theater that I was in burst into applause uh, upon the, you know, the, the finale of the film. So I, I think a lot of people are still going to like that one. Um, but yeah, Secret Obsession, what do you think? Um, hit me up on social media at LarryTron, pretty much everywhere on social media. If you want to send me an email, Larry at LM2Photo.com is a great way to reach me. Um, as I've been doing for the last couple of weeks, just another reminder that I am now a part of the Hard Knock Media, you know, collective. It's the multimedia and podcast uh, arm of the Nerds of Color. Um, basically, it's all about all things nerdy from the perspectives and creation of people of color. Um, and, uh, got some great shows on there like hard knock life, which is the flagship podcast podcast for the nerds of color, um, Southern fried Asians that looks at the experience of Asian Americans in the South, um, as well as stuff like DC TV classics that looks at the history of DC's move from comics to screen. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of great stuff to check out there. Hard N O C media.com. So 
that wraps up this Monday's at the movies. Um, as we are quickly flying through July, um, I am working on getting some new episodes of the normal version of the podcast recorded. There are going to be a couple of episodes where it's just me uh, sharing some thoughts on some trends in media, as well as some stuff that I've been kind of seeing out there. There's going to be some great episodes with guests. So um, make sure to stay tuned. Those are going to be coming back uh, probably in September ish. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, as much as I want to get some new regular stuff out there, I want to make sure that, you know, I put the time in to get everything in a place where I want it to be before kind of getting the new stuff released. But I have some good stuff coming up, like um, basically talking about the allure of sports. Why do people watch sports, love sports? I have an episode coming up where I will be talking about the nostalgia machine. And so stuff like Stranger Things and even these Disney remakes is going to get talked. I will talk about there um, as well as some of the announcements that came out of, you know, Marvel's uh, panels at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, so there's there's some really good stuff that's going to be coming up soon. We also I'm also going to uh, potentially this summer get an episode out about kind of the Fast and the Furious as well as an episode about trash TV. So, again, stay tuned. Lots of good stuff coming up. As always, stay watching, fam. I'll talk to you again soon. Peace.